Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 198 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, th we are recording on Wednesday, 622. Um, this is what I always like to call every year the calm before the storm because the NBA draft is tomorrow. And I want to just do a podcast just to basically take in all the information that's out there right now, however much of it could be smoke, however much it could be just actual truth. Let's just digest it all and finally make an educated prediction of what's going to happen in this year's NBA draft regarding the Sacramento Kings. And with me to talk about it is Fong. Hello. Okay. Uh, before we do get into it, we want to just quickly talk about uh, Caleb Swanigan. Uh, he was he was found dead, I think it was Tuesday. Um, and he reportedly he died of natural causes. Uh, there isn't that much information out there about what exactly happened, but he was a very, very young 20, what was he 25 or 26? He was crazy, ridiculous young at 25, yeah, 25. So yeah, really sad to see, you know, someone so young go. Yeah. And with our fullest condolences, I mean, man, losing someone at that young of age too, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> And like his story coming up, like being homeless when he was young, like, you know, getting adopted and just working his way up all the way to Purdue and then getting to the NBA. Unfortunately, he did struggle a lot with weight issues. And, you know, whenever you suffer an injury, like he suffered an injury, he would gain weight and there was not much he could do about it. And, you know, it's again, it's just really sad to see such a young guy go. And like you hear stories about him. He was such a great, great young man. Yeah, it's too bad that we got to see him go in. Hmm. Let's see, where where actually did he leave off from, actually? I think he last played for Portland. He was supposed to go to the bubble, but opted out of it. Oh, man. Okay, I see. Oh, man, that's too bad that we won't ever get to see him play again. Yeah, so again, deepest condolences to him, uh, RIP. Okay, uh, let's talk draft. So... Um, all the information's basically kind of out there. Um, Jaden Ivey doesn't really want to come to the Kings. Honestly, the Kings don't really want to bring him here to a certain degree just because the options before him are so good. Um, Paolo, or not Paolo, um, Chet has like spoke very highly about the Kings, just like, you know, the potential fit and the Gonzaga connection that he has with Sabonis. Um, Shane Sharp did an interview. Uh, he clearly did not really like research the Kings. He just kind of talked like he just said words basically without ever really naming anything. So not much to love there. Um, ultimately, uh, there's a lot of reports about the Kings are going to wait. So I think Woj said that the Kings are going to wait until the very, very last moment to truly make a decision on what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to play, they're going to run the shot clock down, basically, and make it, and basically decide what they're going to do with the pick all the way up until they're supposed to make the pick. Ah, okay. Hopefully it's a good one, and hopefully we get a lot more back. Let's, so um, what one domino has fallen uh, earlier today, Jeremy Grant has been traded to the Trailblazers for, I believe, a Milwaukee pick, and I forgot the other details of it, but that is basically the gist of the deal. So Jeremy Grant is now off the table. That was one of the one of the um, one of the ideas that the Kings could do, where they could trade back to number five and pick up Jeremy Grant. 
I'll be honest, I'm kind of relieved that he got traded to the Trailblazers and said, I'm not the biggest fan of Jeremy Grant. Sure, he, he he's he's a good player. He's not really much of a difference maker. And like you're he's gonna come with a heavy of with a big old contract. I, I talked with you before this, like, oh, we can just extend him to a $15 million extension. That ain't happening. <laughs> that ain't <laughs> happening. He, he's looking for 20, I think like upwards of 2025. 20, so it's like eh, you're not really good enough to command that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, he wasn't really in the top of my list uh, for the Kings to work for anyway. So I guess it's a good thing that, uh, yeah, he did get traded to Portland. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, one less thing to worry about for the Kings. Um, so, yes, the first domino has fallen. Uh, so, like, let's let's make a let's make a, a bit of a prediction here. Let's uh, do three things. We're gonna we're gonna predict our best case scenario, our worst case scenario, and what the Kings are actually gonna do. What is your best case scenario? I feel like the best case scenario would be to trade back and get Keegan Murray. I think that's probably the safest way to go. To be honest, for me. Have you thought what number we're gonna drop back to? Are we gonna drop back to number five? Are we gonna drop back to number no. six? Are we gonna now do that's... number seven? Now that's a little tough now <laughs> that uh you know Detroit uh, Detroit uh gave Jeremy Grant to Portland. So it's I feel like it's gonna have to be either six or seven, but will he drop to six or seven or will he be drafted out to Detroit? I mean I mean who knows, to be honest. So we always have to emphasize this. Fong, are you telling me that GMing is hard? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and it's no like 2K GM either. Yeah, there's no bullshit trade where you can trade them for peanuts, essentially, or like some really random mix of contracts. But yes, it I that I I, I kind of agree that like that's a good scenario, like trading back for Keegan Murray, picking up on like possibly other wings along the way. Like, um, I believe number six, which is the Pacers, they really they're really high on Keegan Murray. And like, if you can kind of like talk them into like giving us, you know, Chris Duarte and Malcolm Brogdon, I'm not as high on just because of the health issues. Like, you know, if you can get those two guys and you get like maybe some semblance of like, and maybe you, you get the Pacers pick back back in return and hell, you can pick up Benedict Matherin. You can pick up Jeremy Sohan, um, my, my, my new favorite, like, you know, uh, sh- little crush, Jalen Williams, like anybody. Like that, now you add extra depth and you might still have ammo to make another another decent trade. Like, you know, we talked about it, like John Collins. Like now you got a bit of a squad. Yeah, I mean, possibilities are endless. So we'll have to see about that. So how about you? How What's your best case scenario? I'm glad you asked, Fong. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> my best case scenario, trade up to number two for, uh, trade up to number two for um, Chet. Mm-hmm. But my honest, well, actually, that's not even my best case scenario. My best case, my best case scenario is one of Paolo or Chet drops the four. Like I wasn't as high on Paolo before, but the more I'm, the more I like I'm hearing about him, the more I'm being talked into it. The dude measuring at, at the, the dude measuring at what is it, the uh, pro day or combine or whatever, six ten without shoes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that dude is six. That dude's gonna be six eleven when he enters the NBA and like two fifty. 
that's that's getting to like LeBron James levels of like you know LeBron is actually even more crazy, which that's actually pretty insane mm-hmm. to say. Like he that that is a beast of a man right there, and yeah. he can he gets buckets, but also can pass. Now the defense is kind of it. But like he, but he's a good on-ball defender. Now team defense, you got you're gonna have to figure that out. But like he's a good on-ball defender, and just everything about him, just really, he's a really, he's gonna be a really good player, and probably will win rookie of the year. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. But uh, to be honest, it, in a way, it would be my worst case scenario in my opinion, <laughs> because I don't know what we're gonna give up to you know get up there. Well, like again, the, the I, I guess I changed my mind in that the best case scenario is one of them drops to you at four somehow. Yeah. Like yeah, let's yeah. just say, like as I said, I feel that I'm, this is honestly really stupid to say. I think Shane Sharp goes number two. Oh, oh yeah. Because it's not a lot of noise about him as of late, and sh- and like OKC is known for doing something weird usually. Chances are they probably do end up taking Chet. But let's just say in some fantasy scenario where Chet falls to us, that will be perfect for the Kings. Oh my goodness! Because Chet solves so many defensive issues for the Kings. You now you finally have a rim protector, and not only do you have a rim protector, he can also play next to Sabonis, and he can shoot threes. Yeah, that's why this super duper best case scenario and. I mean, highly doubtful because you, I don't know. Do you think Houston would snag him at three? If, well, you know? he, well, like again, in this in this best case scenario, Jane and Ivy or Shane Sharp goes number two, mm. and you and like like I've always like thought that like I I never thought Paolo would drop out of three because I think Houston loves him so much. It, he feels like the perfect fit there, and they just trade away Christian Wood. That opens up the spot for a Chet or a Paolo. And I just I never see. thought like, you know, I just never thought for whatever reason, I never thought Paolo would drop to us. Cause I just always thought Houston would take him. But it, it, in this best case scenario, one of the guards goes number two. And then, you know, one of the big men falls to us at four. Mm. Oh, if only. So that would be my best case scenario. One of Chet or Paolo or, you know, I don't think, th- I mean, Jabari, I think is slated to go number one, no matter what. So I don't think that's, I think that's going to be, that's just not going to be a thing. So that's why I, that's why I'm saying like just the, the other two big men, Chet or Paolo. So best case scenario, they drop to us. Worst case scenario for you. I mean, the one that comes up to mind is you might as well just draft Jade and Ivy. Really? Yeah, that's that's my dot. Just draft Jade and Ivy. If Chet is gone, it, of course Jabari's going to be gone. Uh, Powell, I mean, like he says, pretty guaranteed with Houston. Might as well just go for the next best, in my opinion, which is Jade and Ivy. And, you know, just deal with it. <laughs> and, you know, we have a whole season to uh, you know, deal with him and whatnot, even if he doesn't want to come here. If he does want to get traded, I mean, we still had to trade uh, down the line in the season, too. So I think the possibilities could be endless here. But I mean, like I said, this is the worst case scenario for me. Now, so. I, now you, your worst case scenario is actually a lot more optimistic than mine. Cause like, I like, I like Jaden Ivey, I like him at four. The guy I do not like at four is Keen Murray. 
mm. if you just straight up use the fourth pick on Keegan Murray. That would be my worst case scenario. Now you have a guy that has, is like, for, you know, whether it's fair or not, is slated to have not have a lot of upside. And now you're just kind of stuck with a guy that fits on your team is like if he really is this low ceiling guy, like he's an unspectacular player who might who probably, even if you put him on the market is not going to net you much. And you know, he's a fine player. Like he would be, he would be a fine addition to this team, but he's not changing your fortunes. And now you just essentially, you didn't get the most value out of your fourth pick. Now, if you do trade back for Keegan Murray, that's terrific. But picking him at four, I think that's a bit egregious. You're selling low on this pick, and it's, you should you should have been tried to find something else. And honestly, trade Jay Nivy down the line. Like even if he has a bad first year, you can talk other teams into his upside and get value for him down the line. Keegan Murray, I just don't think has that level of value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Geez, I kind of made some. Uh, I don't know. What do you say? Realistic. Uh you know predictions <laughs> so that's what we're going to get to what do you think is going to happen in the draft now now that we got our uh, worst case scenarios out the way oh i mean like i said as always the possibilities are endless but i think it's going to be the best case scenario with uh trading back to get keegan murray uh, like i just part of me like I, that's probably what i want to happen and like pick up a few pieces along the way. It just seems a little too like far-fetched to me. I think what ends up happening is that the Kings, like they trade a little farther back. Mm. Like it's going to be multiple trades. Maybe they end up like in the seven, eight range. Like they pick up a player and then also like swing another trade to get like the 13th pick or something like that from the Hornets or the 15th pick from the Hornets. Mm. And in that, in that trade, they end up getting Gordon Hayward. Okay. And with the and with the Hornets pick, they pick my man, Jalen Williams. I know. I <laughs> I I want Jalen Williams for some reason. And I know he's gonna get drafted in the teens or even higher or who, who knows what. But he, he's definitely in my eyes a steal of the draft. So that like uh, we'll we'll talk about it a l- little bit more later, whether you would actually do that deal for Gordon Hayward or not. As you can tell, I I would, but like that's what I think will happen. The Kings will trade back and end up with two or three rotation players, mm-hmm. and the pick. Oh, mm. I mean, that's a lot of assets for sure, and it could pretty much develop pretty well with our system. Okay, I brought it up just now. Um, so the the Hornets are apparently trying to clear up more space um, to re-sign uh to re-sign miles bridges and they're looking to attach one of their picks they have the 13th and the 15th in this year's draft uh to gordon hayward basically to get rid of his salary now of course like getting getting gordon hayward is a bit tricky for the kings because they don't have a lot of cap space and which means they'll have to trade away some of their expirings which is one of some of their assets but honestly a big part of their assets and like the money, the money aside, would you be interested in taking on Gordon Hayward? Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. It's just, as always, it's gotta be for the right price. Which would be let's just let's just say it does not involve Harrison Barnes for whatever reason. Yeah, 
Okay. I mean, of course, I, I'd love to take on Gordon Hayward. Just now, like I said, it's going to have to come down to how we're going to fit him in with our uh, salary caps. Like, do like, so he, the biggest like issue that I have with him is that he's never healthy. Like ever since, ever since he broke his foot, like in his first Celtics year, he's basically always like, he always, it feels like he always plays around 50 to 60 games a season. It's just never healthy. However, when he does play, he's very good. Like the Hornets tend to like, they've had like, you know, a pretty consistent pattern of kind of falling apart when Gordon Hayward is not healthy. And does that scare you a little bit? Just like how, again, how just, inconsistent he is with his health yeah that it would be a big concern because i don't know what i should have checked how, how many games did he actually play in the recent season let me check right now gordon hayward basketball reference let's see um oh god damn it real okay so let's see so last year he played 48. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't think it was this bad. 48. Yeah. Or he played 49. One of them he came off the bench. The year before in a 72 game season, 44. Uh the year before that, his last year in Boston, 52. That does that does include stoppage. So it's a bit, it's a bit more compressed. Um, however, the year before, uh, after coming back, 72 games. Hmm. Yeah, coming back from the injury too. Uh. But ever since then, you're you're talking about he's only played he has not played more than 52 games a season. Yeah, that's I mean, if he's gonna average, let's just say the 40s, 50s uh games out the whole season, uh if that's the case, I don't uh, it's it's tough. Like, are we gonna rest him a lot of times? Maybe if we have like a good playoff push, would we rest him for the final part of the season and bring him back in? Like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's a huge risk. I think as if, now that we've mentioned about his uh, health. Look, I'm, I'm of the mindset nowadays. I don't believe in load management. <laughs> it just feels like guys who need to be load managed tend to not even, they don't even hold up in the playoffs. Like you think of Kawhi. Kawhi has always been injured, is just always injured. You know, the, the year they won in Toronto, he actually was injured towards the end. You actually could see, like, he wasn't as good as he was the first three rounds because I think he hurt his knee at some point during the conference finals. So, like, and then Mike Conley, the, the be- probably one of the worst examples of, uh, of load management. They always, like, rest this guy, like, in the past few years, and guess what? He's not healthy by the end. He just isn't. And mm-hmm. I just feel in a in a world where you have to load manage a guy, he's just not going to be healthy. This is not going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. As of right now, it's kind of fifty fifty for me. I mean, I would like to take the risk, but I mean, we we have so much. I feel like we're going to get a lot of decent assets that we could work with anyway, regardless if we make this trade or not. What if, what if, I don't think this will happen. What if the, what if they include uh, PJ Washington as well? Oh. Oh. Well, this would be really stupid to do that if they did that. 
I uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, I, yeah, my <laughs> trade right up <laughs> right here. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, and if you're wondering about Gordon Hayward's salary, he's going to be get paid thirty million next year uh, and thirty one and a half million the year after that. Yeah, it's a it's a big salary, and definitely, if we do have to, you know, get rid of Barnes, of course. I mean, it it probably fit that, of course. But anything else, I mean, yeah, it'll be tough. Now that I look at a salary, yeah, probably I'm probably not doing that. Unless you're including P.J. Washington somehow, I'm not doing this thing. It's too much money for a guy that probably is going to play like 50 games or 60 games at best. And, yeah, it's, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Not, not going to do this deal. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. You know what? I would do it for Jalen Williams. That's how much I love Jalen Williams. I mean – I would do it too. It's just, <laughs> I think there's other ways to get Jalen Williams than Gordon Hayward. And I mean, of course, if you include PJ Washington, why not? Okay. Well, okay. So now let's talk about, I guess, the main event. Uh, so Mike Brown had his press conference um, on Tuesday, right? Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Tuesday, which was yesterday. And in there, he kind of addressed quite a few, quite a few things. He was very jovial, you know, sounding like a guy that just won a championship. Um, <laughs> he brought that energy to the press conference. And it was overall a pretty good press conference, I would say. Like, you know, positive energy. He answered every question very, like, tactically and just didn't shy away from the tough questions either, in my opinion. Not that there were that many. But you know, let's start with this. He, he did not shy away about the 16-year streak. He basically says, that's good. That's a thing, and we're going to embrace it. You know, we're not going to run away from it. And it's, it's going to be something that we're going to, you know, have to basically wear on our shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I mean, we, I mean, we really should leave this uh, mindset behind and just look for the future, really. Yeah. So, and then he also talked a lot about defense, particularly praising Fox's defense. Uh, mm-hmm. He coached Fox uh, like quite a few years ago when he was a lot younger. And apparently, the first thing he noticed was that he's a really good defender. Uh, that's kind of changed, unfortunately. But he did talk about a lot of his potential to be a good defender. And I bring this up because I think this team, like, it's going to go with De'Aaron's defense. Because we know what Davion is on defense. He's going he's gonna to bring it every night. And mm. Sabonis kind of is what he is. He's a good positional defender for the most part, but he simply, he simply does not have the, the length or the foot speed to really be a, an elite rim protector. Fox is the guy that I always say like has the potential to be really good despite being a huge liability right now on that end. Yeah, I mean, he has... He pretty much has all the assets to be a good defender. It's just he doesn't he doesn't really show it or he doesn't really do it more like uh, what I should be saying. Um, actually, probably not since his uh, I guess freshman or sophomore season where we saw some decent defense from him and afterwards that I mean pretty much all offense for him. 
Well, so this is an interesting stat, and I, I I would take this stat with this with a grain of salt. This is from Brendan Nunez, and I probably should have pulled it up beforehand. I don't have the exact stat, but basically the idea of, the, of what the what Brendan Nunez brought up is that De'Aaron is really good at guarding like top level scores. Like one example, uh, Brandon Ingram I think scored like twenty four points in the first half against against the Kings. And they put uh, they put De'Aaron on him, and I think he only scored like eight points the rest of the game. Now, of course, the the others like to step their game up. The 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 rest of the Pelicans step their game up, so De- um, Brandon Ingram didn't need to really score. But like, there's the idea. He's really good at actually defending top level perimeter scores. However, mm. anybody that's not a top level scorer, he is horrible at. It. He's one of the worst defenders in the league when it comes to that. So now, the idea oh. is that he can play defense. He just doesn't bring it all the time. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do you think it's more of a mindset issue or it's just that he's focusing uh, more on offense than defense, uh, d- depending on the game, I guess, or depending on the team? Well, to me, I think it's tough. I think this is kind of an excuse, but like he does have to, he does have to carry a giant load on offense. Yeah. Like last, like last year, like James Ham always brought this up. You had two playmakers pretty much the rest, most of the year. You had Tyrese, you had, you had De'Aaron. Now when Sabonis came, like you had another one, but you sacrificed Tyrese to get, to get there. You never really saw it with Fox and DiVincenzo together Davion's playmaking was just never it got better towards the end of the season but it's not anything like you say oh that is a guy you can trust to you know create playmake like pass the ball like really well so I think he just has to carry such a a big load on offense that he simply does not have the energy to do it on defense Mm. oh yeah I mean he pretty much for most of the season would play near 40 minutes, not until like uh, after all-star break where we got Sabonis, where he kind of cut it down to mid thirties really. So, yeah, I mean, if he's willing to, you know, work with the minutes, he definitely should, uh, I guess, allegate whether or not uh, he should put more on uh, defense or not. Yeah, because the thing I just think with all the potential that he has, he needs to show it. And as of now, like he's one of the bigger holes on defense, unfortunately. And, you know, you have some bonus on the team while he is he is decent on defense. He is he is another kind of like a guy you can target and you just can't have two of those guys on the court at the same time. And De'Aaron is going to play. And if he's going to play, he needs to bring it on defense. It, it This this team will go with him and. It's that's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, interesting tidbit. Uh, I, uh, by the way, I do, I do hope that Mike Brown brings it out of him. Like, you know, brings his defensive acumen, gets De'Aaron to play defense. If anyone's going to be able to do it, it's probably going to be him. Um, Luke, apparently this was an interesting tidbit from Sam Amick's article. So apparently um, Mike Brown sent Luke Laux with, down to San Diego to work out with De'Aaron, like while Mike Brown was on that was with the Warriors on the championship run, and apparently uh, Fox's fiance Rasse Rasse his fiance Rasse Codwell uh, apparently worked with Luke Laux as a player development intern, so like they know each other. And uh, again, another really interesting tidbit is that Laux is I, I'm pretty sure I read it right 
is going to go on Fox with his honeymoon with his fiance. Um, and like, apparently like Fox really trust, like there's a relationship there and like he really trusts uh, Luke apparently. Yeah, that's kind of interesting uh, <laughs> that, I mean, I don't think well, we knew who Luke Wilkes was uh, prior to him uh, coming to the Kings, right? No, I I didn't know. Like, yeah, he's very young, so he's he is an up and comer. And unless you're like a super basketball nerd, and I'm talking super, like I I don't I I'm not on that level. Like unless you're like Jill Adge, like I don't know how you would know who Luke Wilkes is. Like he, he he's a deep cut. In like, yeah, you have to be really into the NBA game to know who he is. So yeah, it's, it's great to know that Fox has someone to, you know, he has that player coach connection uh, since you know he's an assistant, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. It seems like pretty really good friends with him. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, uh, so Mike Brown also talked a lot about organizational connectivity, or he doesn't use that term, but he made, the point of it is he, the, he said that the organization from top to bottom, everybody needs to be aligned on the same goals. And he talked a lot about that. And he talked about how he basically, he really vibes with Monty. He really like speaks highly of him. He really speaks highly of Wes Wilcox, who, um, he who was with him in Cleveland, I believe he was a uh, assistant GM or and a development coach at the time, and like basically he really feels the connection between him and the front office. Mm, that's good. I mean, <laughs> that means he's staying more than uh, what's the minimum amount of years that a coach has stayed in the past, like what eight years? I oh I don't know the average. It's not good. It's like yeah, maybe like one or two years. I'm hoping he stays until he gets his extension, really. That's that's what I'm hoping for. That's what we're all hoping for. I do not want this to be another two-year thing. Um, my, okay, so uh, at the press conference were Monty, Wes, uh, so Monty, Monty McNair, uh, Wes Wilcox, Alvin Gentry was there, and Matina was also there. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Like, they, they were there. I mean... That's great, yeah. <laughs> however, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry to oh, no, no, you could go on ahead. But however, um, you know, I guess the silence is deafening in a certain to a certain degree. The one guy that was not there, Vivek Rondadive. <laughs> really? Hmm. I mean, doesn't really need to be there, I guess. I mean, it, there for moral support, of course, and you know, support of the organization, but. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of a little, not, not too surprised, but I, I guess he should be there, I guess. I just hope this isn't something down the line because there were reports like, you know, he preferred Mark Jackson. And, you know, and then uh, Mike Brown also talked about like he, during the entire hiring process, he really only met with Vivek once at, at his house. And oh. maybe there, I don't, I don't think that's a big deal. Maybe this is nothing. But it does have the potential to be something. And if it is, and you know, it is the king. So it, it has all the possibility, of course, of being something. But this is an interesting little tidbit. Mm, I guess. I mean, I thought Vivek wanted to, you know, shape our team into what the Warriors is. I mean, why not just, I mean, we got a coach from the Warriors, right? Well, you know who else was also like with the Warriors? Mark I know. Jackson. Mark I Jackson. Know. I know. 
but that was years ago. That this was is years now. Ago. Yeah, this, this is, is now. This is four-time champion assistant coach from the Warriors, <laughs> Mike Brown. So, I mean, like, let, I don't. Again, this this has all the possibility of being absolutely nothing, and maybe we are overreacting to it. But like, it, you know, maybe like the vet is trying to distance himself from like the the negative image that he seems to bring whenever like his name is brought up because you know that's the reality of it. He did like whenever Kings fans hear his name. It usually coincides with a groan. Mm, yeah, well. And maybe he just wa- didn't want to take away from the moment of Mike Brown. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't think we should or should think about this uh, too much. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go like, you know, Kanye to like Taylor Swift is, is like, is like, I'm going to let you finish, Mike. But I'll tell you about this five on four thing that we, we're going to do. But you know, okay, no yeah. laughs. Great, great. <laughs> yeah, those uh, those fake ass laughs. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Fox, Rashawn, Davion, and TD were also at this press conference. Interest. The interesting that one that really stands out was Rashawn because I I see him. I see a high possibility of him getting traded this offseason. Um, Dante Divincenzo, a notable kind of like guy that was absent. Harrison Barnes noticeably absent as well again in the same vein as how Vivette wasn't there I don't this has the potential to be something but it ultimately could all be nothing yeah it could be I mean you know it is off season some players might want to you know relax and not think about basketball until you know the time comes until training camp but what do you mean they're not always working on their game all the time? What do you mean their life isn't always about basketball? <laughs> they all have to be Davion Mitchell. <laughs> I, I remember back in the day, it was uh, was it it was, it was a Dwight's first stint with the Lakers in the offseason. So they got they get eliminated off from the first round. And like a few weeks, I think like a few months later, after the finals had ended, uh, Dwight Howard was seen partying, partying. And a bunch of people got got on Twitter and was like, why are you partying? Uh, Cause it's been like a few months. Like, can, can I chill? Am I allowed to just chill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not everyone can be a day beyond. And uh, I mean, yeah, it is time consuming. And I'm pretty sure most of these guys aren't in Sacramento, to be honest. So this was an interesting note. So I was listening to the Kings beat and Sean Cunningham and James Ham, they've covered the team for a long time. So like they they have they always have like a good pulse on just the feeling of the team or like a good feel on the pulse of the team. And they said that Rashawn is not the most likely to get traded. Oh. Most likely is Harrison Barnes. Oh. <laughs> okay. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, for the right price, it better be good because I don't know. I'm definitely not. We're not. Well, I mean, we're definitely not high on Gordon Hayward anymore. There's no Jeremy Grant, and I doubt we'll give up Barnes for Grant anyway. Uh, John Collins. I mean, uh, I feel like you have to include Rashawn in that deal. But like, if you can somehow manufacture a deal where you don't give up Barnes, you got a squad. If you can add John Collins. Yeah, but it. I feel like it's going to be tough if you don't trade Barnes for John Collins and whatever else. And like, I, if you don't include the pick, mm-hmm. 
it's it's tough and <laughs> like you like we said we're not gms so it's it's going to be a tough trade if uh you know the kings are down to trade with the hawks uh it's too bad that we're already traded away buddy Heald and marvin bagley hey hey how about <laughs> hey how about marvin bagley and buddy Heald for john collins that seems like a fair deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh well that's all we have for the press conference Let's play a bit of a game, uh, Fong. Okay. So um, we did this once before, and the the game is basically, um, I'm going to read you the draft profile of a player, and th- this this is you u- this is usually from the past. I won't tell you how f- how long ago it was, but you're going to try and guess who I'm talking about. So um, okay, are you ready? All right. Okay. So. Uh, the so the comparison for this player is Brandon Roy and Del Curry. Um, okay, let's start here. Always a strong outside shooter, he has improved his three point sh- percentage from to a lofty fifty two percent on seven point nine attempts. He showcases NBA range and even beyond, rendering him a player that needs to be guarded out to twenty six feet away from the hoop. To, uh, through nineteen seasons this through nineteen games this season. Uh, he's scorching the nets to the tune of 53% from the field, 53% from deep and 90% from the stripe. Okay. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read you a weakness. His main knock will be his height for an NBA shooting guard. And although he's improved his handle significantly to become more of a combo guard, he's still not, he's still an undersized two. Oh, undersized two, huh? Uh, is that all the stuff you're gonna give me? Uh, I can give you more. It's just gonna be a lot. Uh, do you do you have do you want to take a guess? I mean, you can have multiple tries for this one. Let's see. We already said Curry, so I don't. We did think already it's curry. say Curry, so it's yeah. not. It is not Curry. He his comparison is Dale Curry. Yeah, <laughs> Dale Curry. Brandon Roy one is really funny to me. Because mm. Brandon Roy was nasty back in the day, and uh. Yeah, so you said undersized shooting guard. I said undersized two guard, but yes, the same or thing. Or two guard, okay. Uh, hmm. Okay, okay here, here's something else. Early in his career, his college career, he showed great promise off the dribble and as a slasher. Uh, but during his sophomore and junior seasons, he became a bit predictable and took over half his shots from beyond the arc. He's clearly addressed this, and both improved his handle and his rim conversion rate this season. But he made just 55% of his shots at the rim last season. But however, it's risen to 63.3% in his in his fourth season. In college or in college. Shot beyond the arc. I mean, the only guy Dame? No. No? Who who shoots beyond? Hmm. So it's not Dame. I mean, CJ. No. No, he's. I think he's a. Little you're too in tall. the right. You're in the right ballpark. Uh. Let's see. Uh. Bradley Beal. It is not Bradley Beal. 
James Harden. It is not James Harden. You're in the right. You're in the right ballpark. Uh, but yeah. Undersized. Okay, Trey Young. No. No. Man, I'm running out of ideas now. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna be really mad when when I say the name to you. He he's from the same college. That should give it away. Same college as what? Wait, what? <laughs> okay, same college as Trey Young. Oh, geez. I don't even remember what college he came from either. <laughs> Can I search up what college Trey no, Young went to? No. Okay. I, I don't even know who what college. Uh oh, it can't be Quay. Let me that, let me I'm gonna look up something to see if uh, I can read it to you. I'm just gonna name off like good shooters. Um D book. No. Uh Donovan Mitchell. No. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna yeah. Wh- whoever this guy is, I'm gonna be pretty pissed. It, now, can I ask this question? Is he part of the Kings or not? He is part of the Kings. Oh boy. Ben Mackamore. It is not Ben Mackamore. <laughs> uh Buddy Healed. It is Buddy Healed. Okay. Ah uh, gosh. Okay, that's I think that was a too big of a hint in my yeah, I mean, like that narrowed that narrowed. I'm surprised it got like I think I just thought at a certain point you were gonna like jump to wait, shoots very far away, has a handle, quote unquote. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought that would be like, when you said wait, you said good handles or bad handles? He he's improved his handle. Okay, that I think that caught me off guard because of, I don't think he even had good handles in the first place, or even at the end of his uh you know, uh, what you call current career? Yeah. Okay. Now let, let's move. Let's move on to the next guy. Okay. So the comparison. Wow. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just looked at the comparison. Okay. Rajon Rondo and Monte Ellis. Okay. okay. Athletic and explosive combo guard with a length to make up for his lack of height. Attacks the basket with a lethal first step and crossover ability. Can handle the rock well and gets into the lane effortlessly. Finishes well at the rim and is unafraid to go up in traffic. Huge wingspan allows him to play much bigger than his 6'3 height. Let me just take a look at what his wingspan actually is. It so, does not say it, I don't think. So another guard. Yes, uh, yes, another guard. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't say his measurements. But uh, okay. Let me let me look. So I'm gonna read you a weakness. Uh, okay, must become better at handling ball pressure at the point guard position. Must continue to to improve his body strength. And okay, yeah, that, that's not going to be much help for you. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a guess? <laughs> no, <laughs> not really? really. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so solid passer with unselfishness, always looks for the open man, has an excellent mid range game. Okay, a gym rat <laughs> really works well, really works hard to improve the 
really works hard to improve, has a great attitude, extremely coachable, <laughs> lol, <laughs> <laughs> has the potential to be a big-time scorer when given the chance, really excelled defensively and has the chance to develop into a great defender. His anticipation for steals and his on-ball defensive ability are special, are special, solid passer who knows who shows the ability to play the point guard position. So he played two guard in college. That's why there's a lot of point guard talk. Um, basically, the idea is that he can run point guard despite not playing it at, at college. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, this kind of speaks Ben Simmons for some reason. You're actually kind of close. It's not Ben Simmons. <laughs> Ben Simmons, uh, there's a there's a there's a joke on, on NBA Twitter that Ben Simmons is tall Rondo, so you're not you're not that far off. Uh, Athletic and explosive combo guard who attacks the rim fearlessly. Who, Russ? It is Russ. Okay. <laughs> the the fact that it said Rajon Rondo and Monte Ellis is the comparison is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, that <laughs> I I probably wouldn't have guessed Russ if it were for those comparisons. To be honest, I got really. Like, oh, that, that wouldn't have helped me at all. What do I call? It? No, I mean I had to like forget that he that he had those comparisons to even get Russ. I feel like there, I don't. He's nothing near those two. Yeah, I mean, like I I guess I can't. Yeah, where where does the Rondo? Because he can't shoot, but it says he can shoot in his profile. And co- uh, co- extremely coachable. That is that is a hilarious yeah. statement. Um, yeah, excels defensively. Sure. I mean, he could have been, but that's not who he is. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's move on to the last one. This one. This one is going to be good. Absolutely relentless score. Led the nation in points per game with 28.9 points. Wide arrays of to put the ball in the basket. Why am I sounding like Stephen A? And great size and and strength for a point guard. So that gives you a little bit of a clue. Strong okay. finisher around the rim. Uncanny shooting ability. Volume shooter that maintains efficiency. Average three point three three pointers per game in his senior year on thirty nine point six percent. Gets an outstanding amount of elevation on his jump shot. Won't dazzle with high flying dunks, but uses his athleticism very well. Uh, okay. You want me to give you some weaknesses? Okay. Yeah, that might help. A very poor defender at BYU. Uh, damn it! I, should, I shouldn't have said that. The, that, that probably goes away. Mean, you know who I it is, right? I don't know many BYU players. Okay, his team couldn't afford for him to get into foul trouble, which which may account for his lackluster defensive effort. Struggles to close out on shooters. As the primary offensive option on his team, he hasn't proven he can be a pass first point guard. Assist to turnover ratio is poor: four point three assists to three point five turnovers but understandable due to his role on his team prone to getting blocked on his drives to the rim. Athleticism is certainly below average for an NBA point guard, which could, which could hinder his ability to get off his shot at the next level. This is a point guard or shooting or yeah, I mean, I is a guard. It's, it's a point guard. Okay. He's, he's a, he's a shooting guard, but he's very short. He's about six, two. Oh, that is short. 
man, I, yeah, I don't even know that many players in BYU that went to the NBA. BYU is he in the NBA now? He is not in the NBA now. Oh, that's gonna be tough. Jeez. That actually might that actually might be a hit. No lie. Is he currently playing somewhere? I believe he is. I want to say yes. I'm I'm not sure. That's tough. Is it anyone that I've mentioned prior to, you know? <laughs> in prior this. conversations, yes. In this episode, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to need all the hints I need. Jeez, uh, this is a... Uh, let's see. T- tough to stop transition. That That's not going to help you. Can pull up for a quick jump shot from anywhere on the court. Unlimited range. Supreme confidence in his shooting ability. Won't hesitate to fire from as far as 30 feet away from the basket. Able to make shots even when appearing off balance. Great free throw shooter. Underrated quickness. Nasty ball handling ability. Really? Deadly crossover, frequently throws off defenders with well-timed hesitations, moves off to dribble, uh, can create a lot of space for himself with or without the ball, doesn't have to dominate the ball to be effective, crafty mid-range game. Do you want more? What on earth? Are you describing like Steph Curry now? Like... Yeah, that's, what, that's what I was thinking, yeah. He, <laughs> probably, he, probably, he probably thought he was Steph Curry. I'll just say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I need more. Um, Kevin Durant tweeted uh, back in the day that he was the best scorer ever. Okay, I don't, I don't have Twitter, so I wouldn't even know like, what he was tweeting about. Gee, gained a huge following, huge following his senior year in college as he won National Player of the Year. Will be an instant impact player in the NBA as a score shooter off the bench. <laughs> If he can tighten up his defense and find a system that works for him, he has the potential to be a very good starting point guard. What? Jeez. He, <laughs> he's describing, yeah, very much a, a short, a slightly shorter Steph Curry. Okay, you know, I'll, 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 give, I'll give you this one. He's white. Okay. Does that help? Oh, gosh, like, is he like an all star or probably? Yeah, like, he, he was not an all star, not in the NBA anyway. Gee, man, okay, okay. I, this this is the question that's probably going to uh, hit or miss. But uh, was he with with the Kings? He was with the Kings. Oh, okay. Let me think. You better be. You better be able to get this now. I'm not giving you any more hints. What? Oh. Oh no! Is it Jimmer? It is Jimmer. <laughs> oh. Instant impact player by my ass. <laughs> Man, it took me that many hit. That draft analysis really froze you off. Well, the thing is, as Honestly, as coming out of college, he was the hottest, one of the hottest guys like during that uh during that NCAA run. He was legitimately yeah. like Steph Curry before Steph Curry blew up, even though Steph Curry was drafted before him. But 
yeah, he he was. Yeah, I just remember like he he was the shit. He was gonna revitalize Sacramento with his following. Like that's what he was. Yeah, and sadly, I only know him after <laughs> he got drafted. Yeah. So, but ultimately, like it's unfor- his story is a bit weird, just because. Like honestly, had he just kind of like figured out how to fit within a role, maybe Sacramento screwed him up. That that is a possibility. But like I always, I've always said, if you're if you're a great player, you can succeed anywhere. Doesn't really matter. But he was one of those guys that needed a, probably a little bit more structure. But like he's had opportunities to like play with the Spurs, like play with like really good teams. But he just he wanted to have the ball and just it never worked out. Unfortunately, I mean he's able to do it in China now or. He was able to do it in China. I don't know if he's still playing, but like, you know, he was like legitimately Steph Curry before Steph Curry in a way. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, that took a little too long. To, yeah, that's a uh, way too long for you to figure out. Yeah. I mean, I mean those, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I really don't know anyone from BYU. I, I, I think he, I, I think he's the only guy from BYU actually. So. That made it to the NBA. You have like, to look. You have to look that up. Don't don't fact check me on that. But I don't know anyone else. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure there's others. It's just it's probably the most famous one that I can know of. Uh, you know, to us as Kings fans. Okay, well that's all I have. I was actually going to do Kavon Looney, but uh, we are gonna we are gonna. I think that'd be that'll make it a little too long. So just gonna end it here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you kind of saved it for next time. Possibly. Well, there won't be a next time because draft is tomorrow and we'll be okay. doing probably a reaction uh, pod uh, very shortly after the uh, after the after who we find out the Kings are going to draft or they're not going to draft. Yeah, hopefully, I think uh, I think I will be able to uh, uh, see the draft tomorrow. So we'll see. OK, um, yes, uh, the draft is tomorrow. Uh, we might be coming to you right afterwards. If not, we'll we'll uh, get you. We'll get you like. Well, basically, we'll come back on Friday to get to get our reaction. And uh, until then, it's gonna pro- it's gonna be a long day. Uh, but the NBA draft is here, and I am very excited of what is gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just want to get over with. To be honest, because yeah, <laughs> I mean. There's just too many possibilities. It just let's just see where it ends up, and uh, you know, have our uh, future thoughts by then. Okay. Well, until then, uh, we'll catch you guys back on the next episode. And by the time you listen to us again, we will have done something with our pick, and uh, the team might have changed, and hopefully for the better. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see you guys later.